Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello and welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. Coming to you on a Sunday morning after key football's 55-42 win over West Virginia on the road, which clinches KU's best start to a season since 2011. It is KU's first ever 1-0 season in Big 12 play since 2009 and the program's first ever win in Morgantown. So, Kevin, we're back again reacting to a, a good display from Kansas. But overall, how are you feeling on the Sunday morning? Yeah, I thought that there were a lot of positives, but I think one of the big ones is, and this is going to sound harsh, but I, I feel like you know where I'm coming from with this. When Kansas beats a Big 12 team, most of the time, it feels like the other t- Big 12 team doesn't have to show up, right? Like that's like category number one is they're not playing their A game. They're playing their C game at best. You know, when Kansas beat Texas the first time, Texas probably played its D minus game. <laughs> Um, when you look at Kansas competing with Oklahoma last year, you know, Oklahoma was kind of going through the motions a little bit. And I thought that that was one of the things that stood out to me about the win last night was the fact that West Virginia didn't really play all that poorly. They played really well offensively, uh, but it wasn't the sort of thing where you would come out of that and say, my gosh, West Virginia only lost to Kansas because it played poorly. I think I came away feeling like, well, West Virginia lost to Kansas because, as Neil Brown said, Kansas won the game. And, yeah. and and I think that that was one of my main takeaways was, you know, there were several situations in several places where that game could have gotten away from Kansas. When you look at the 
the 14-0 deficit to start when you look at, I think it was, what, 28-14 right before halftime. Um, when you look at the fact that Kansas builds an 11-point lead and West Virginia comes back and sends it into overtime, there are a lot of chances to crumble there. And, and you know, Kansas showed a toughness and a resilience about it. What 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 stood out to you? What what was kind of your main takeaway? I think the resiliency has to be the first part because I want to start here because you go back to what Lance Leipold said at Big 12 Media Days when you get to talk to him off to the side for about five or so minutes. He talked about belief and he kind of the quote was he didn't want to be Ted Lasso, but he wants his team to believe. Yeah. And I think so often with Kansas, what happens is they get up in these games. You think about Oklahoma, you can think about the times that Kansas was in it early in the game, and then something goes wrong, and then it snowballs. Yep. And then you just can't bounce back. And it's been the case like that for several years, multiple coaching staffs. It's really been a part of the Kansas program that some of the coaches have not been able to shake. And you look last night. It felt like a, oh, here we go again moment when KU goes down 14 nothing. They have more penalties in the first quarter that they had in some games all of last season, right? Yep. And more than you had in the, the opener. Things that didn't look like Kansas football under Lance Leipold is what they showed, and it didn't look pretty. And yet they kind of hung in there offensively. They rebounded um, defensively. I don't know if you could say that they rebounded, but I'll get into some of those stats in a little bit. But I think for me it's a resiliency because that's been something that I think this program as a whole – sometimes hasn't had. And I think it's a credit to Lance Leipold. I think it's a credit to the coaches. I think it's a credit to the players as well. They've all held each other accountable and not let something like that really impact them or put their heads down. Because I'll tell you what, the body language doctor here, yep. the West Virginia body language was atrocious. All game. Yeah, all game. That is a team that looks like it is ready to quit on its head coach. Nobody's heads went down on the Kansas sideline when they went down 14 nothing. And I think that speaks a lot about KU, the program, and everyone inside of it. Yeah, I think so, too. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, and I, I feel like a lot of this podcast is you asking me questions, but <laughs> but but you tweeted last night, and it's it, it was such a great point. How about that game called by Andy Kotelnicki? Oh, I mean, I mean, what what were your thoughts on that? You know, I you said he. You know, just for reference, you said he called nearly a perfect game, and I agree with you, but, I mean, what what stood out about that to you? I think the timing and the rhythm of the offense was awesome. Just West Virginia yep. couldn't get going. And we spent a lot of time, I think, in the, in the week ahead of the game. I think Chris Anderson and I talked about it on the podcast midweek. That West Virginia defensive line is one of the best that KU will play all season. And sure. that front seven is probably one of the fastest and best overall that they're going to play at least in the first six, seven weeks of the season. For them to mitigate what that defense could do to the offense was incredibly impressive. Pitt is known for its offensive line. Keaton Slovis got pressured on 50% of his dropbacks. I think it was yeah. like 17 pressures total. Jalen Daniels got pressured eight times last night. And that's with how many plays that they ran. Right. Just overall, the ability to keep the opposing defense off balance, the play calling, the timing of it all was great. Let's let's go through the drive chart here because sure. I, I think it's just incredible. All right. So first possession, they punt. And that comes after there was the illegal man down field call after Jalen Daniels had a really nice RPO throw to Lawrence Arnold. That was one of those that looked like a, what we saw under Brent Deerman, right, with the RPOs sure. and things like that. That gets negated. They punt. 
Then they go touchdown, 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 touchdown. And then they have the punt that gets muffed. They get the ball back, touchdown, touchdown, and then punt overtime, touchdown. So overall, you're looking at 11 drives and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven touchdowns. You're going to win a lot of football games if you can do that. Not even seven touchdowns. Just have a consistent offense that throughout the course of the game will get you in a position to score points. I thought overall, Kolonecki, the coaching staff, deserve a ton of credit. The players deserve a ton of credit. A great offensive game. Do you agree? Like, what else stood out to you there? Yeah, I thought um, the creativity that they played with was mm-hmm. was outstanding. And, and I thought the way you put it about the rhythm was, was dead on because I feel like when you thought it was a run, it was a play action. Mm-hmm. When you thought it was a handoff, it was triple option. You know, it, and there was always just that, that one little extra element where, you know, you thought you were getting A and you were actually getting B. And, you know, I I'm I think about the Daniel Highshaw 30-yard touchdown run, mm-hmm. right? That was a, a triple option play. They put it in Highshaw's belly. And then Daniels kind of takes off around the side, and he's got Devin Neal a, as a pitch option there. Either option would have been right. Oh, like, yeah. Like, like the, he handed it off to Highshaw, and he broke the 30-yard touchdown run. But if you actually look at it, if Daniels had kept and had Neil out there as a pitch, they outnumber on the perimeter too. Like that's how much West Virginia was scrambling on that play is they didn't cover either option to yep. where Jalen Daniels would have been incorrect with his decision. And, and I think when you go through, I mean, there are people that obviously last night in the moment, you know, question the fourth down call to, to punt at the end. I don't necessarily have a problem with punting in that situation, I guess what I would say is the third down prior. I don't know that I run the ball there if I'm not going for it on fourth down, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. I I think with the success Kansas had had throwing the ball with how efficient they'd been throwing the ball short, you know, it seemed like they picked up six or eight yards every time they wanted and or needed six or eight yards. I think that throwing the ball there would have made a lot more sense and the play that they ran, not that it didn't make sense, but it made a lot more sense if you had already come to the agreement like, hey, if you get this to fourth and one, we're going to go for it. I see why people would say, hey, go for it, win the game right here. But I think one of the things a lot of people were forgetting was West Virginia had all three timeouts. So it sure. wasn't just yeah. one play to win the game, right? Like even if you get the first down – you still have to get another first down because they have all three timeouts. And so it wasn't a one-off. And if it was a one-off, I would have said, yes, trust in your offense sure. to get that one yard versus your defense, which is which has struggled for a lot of the game. But in that one situation, like I said, that was that was just sort of a minor quibble. And, and other than that, I'm really struggling to think of an instance where I'm like, oh man, I, I didn't like that call there. I thought, you know, it was, it, it was outstanding. And even the little stuff, you know, Neil Brown talked about last night after the game, how confused West Virginia was with all the motion and the shifts and the things that, that Kansas did just to get that little bit of leverage that it needed to run. And so I, I really thought it was a masterfully called game offensively. Yeah, and so I'll provide some context here for some of that option stuff because I think to some degree some fans will be like, where the heck did that come from? 
Katie's worked on that every day at practice since the first day of camp. And us in the media, we get to see little parts of practice. That was one of those that's like a, hey, you know, can't talk about it type of thing. And they've been working on that. The 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 options, the the different runs with Daniels and Bean and, and even Vasco, guys like that, everyone's getting reps at it. So this is something that Katie's worked really hard on and really tried to perfect, I think, over the course of camp. And I think it's just another wrinkle of the offense that didn't get to get put in last year because you didn't have a spring. You didn't have, you, your fall camp was evaluation. And so I think this is just another glimpse into what this coaching staff, I think, can do going forward where they have this package now. Great. How are they going to be able to counter what other defenses do to try and counter that? That's what I'm fascinated to see going yeah. forward. And, and one more note on the offense before we go to defense, the offensive line. That was one of the best offensive line performances I think I've seen. Obviously, yeah. you know, six, six years now I, I, is how long I've been around the KUB. I think it's by far the best performance, whether it be the run blocking and the ability to create creases against that West Virginia front, whether it's the pass protection, getting Jalen Daniels time to throw overall offensive line, super impressive. And I have a question now that I was asked on the message. Obviously the coaching staff, there's a lot of guys that are important, but out of Andy Koldenecki or Scott Fuchs, who would you pick? as the most important addition for KU because I think it's Fuchs for what he's done because offensive line has been an issue for Kansas for so long. And to all of a sudden have a offensive line looks like it's middle of the road in the big 12. I think that's great. I think it's a credit to to Fuchs and the players for really kind of coming together and figuring it out. Yeah. I think when you, when you look at the two of them, I I think total Nicky has been terrific. I mean, there's no, There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but I'm not sure there are 10 offensive line coaches in the country who could have seen that group improve the way that it did last year from where it was in the South Dakota game where we've said this before, Kansas lost up front against South Dakota. Kansas got bullied up front against South Dakota. And to go from that to, you know, half a season later – you arguably win up front against Oklahoma. You win up front against Texas. You, you know, you're still able to run the ball against TCU, you know, and and then Devin Neal goes down and you wind up having some running back issues. And then when you look at the start to this season, like you said, the, the way that the front played last night and, and, you know, I hate to keep bringing up one play, but the reason the high shot handoff worked out even with them not playing the option part of it well, is Pooney, Michael Ford, and Nowitzki all got perfect blocks right mm-hmm. up the middle, and it was a runway for, for Daniel Highshaw to go down. And, and to do that is impressive against anybody. To do it against a front seven as good, as athletic, as strong up front as West Virginia is, it is even even that much more impressive. I, I would say folks, just because I feel like in order for Kotal Nicky to be Kotal Nicky, the offensive line has to be there. And, and with how yeah. far folks has taken the offensive line, I would go with folks as well. Yeah. I think it's just a, it was a super interesting question because I think it's yeah. been very impressive. I think from the coaches so far. All right. So defensively, I just what a weird game. 
That's what I'll <laughs> say. Just what a weird game. Because let, let, let's do some stats here um, because the defensive stats are pretty funny to look at. West Virginia gained 500 yards while also having the same amount of yards per play as Kansas. Both teams have 6.4 yards per play. Okay, so, you know, the big issue was the pass defense, and we'll get to that second. But I think, first of all, I'll start with the positive here, which the run defense. KU has been really bad, really bad last year. I think we talked about a little bit last week about the Tennessee Tech game. Really interested to see how that run defense would do this week. And what do they do? They limit West Virginia to 3.8 yards per carry. They mm-hmm. rush for just under 150 yards, but, you know, that yards per carry mark, I think, is what I really look at. And I thought that was really positive for KU to be able to slow the run like that against a team that ran the ball really well against Pitt. And, again, Pitt, really good defensive line. We talked yeah. about that. So, I think for me, let's start with the run defense. I guess what impressed you most about it and how encouraged are you by what you saw last night? Yeah, C.J. Donaldson, and I tweeted this out last night, when you went back and watched him against Pitt, you know, his he broke several really long runs. And mm-hmm. the really long runs that he broke, nothing against C.J. Donaldson because I thought he was excellent. And he had really quick feet and vision and everything for a back that big. But the reason he broke those runs, I thought, going back and watching, was because Pitt wasn't in the right spot on its run fits. And as you know, like if one guy misses his spot, it can lead to to one of those games. It's like plugging, you know, bricks into a wall type of type of deal. Kansas's run fits last night were excellent. I mean, there were a couple times where Donaldson would get, you know, say four yards because the offensive line got solid push and Donaldson is 240 pounds. He kind of fell forward. But relatively speaking, from a run defense standpoint, everybody was where they were supposed to be. They didn't try to do too much. They didn't get outside of their gaps. And and I think that that's one of that's one of the impressive things I, I feel like the gains that they've made on defense, because that wasn't there last year. If we're being hundred percent honest about it, you know, guys were trying to do too much. They didn't always trust in their teammate, like, hey, if I'm a gap and I hit a gap hundred percent that this guy is going to be doing the same and B gap and we're mm-hmm. going to stop the run. And, and yeah. that leads to bigger plays. And, and I think when you, when you look at the way the defensive line is playing, we talked this preseason, Michael, about how important it would be for this defensive line to play more one gap and get up field and, and be disruptive And the defensive line didn't necessarily make a lot of plays in the running game, but I think you'd be hard pressed to say that them being aggressive and getting upfield wasn't a huge part of that success against, against the run game, as opposed to being more read and react and, and kind of catching blocks rather than delivering initial contact. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, for instance, someone like Rich Miller has been in the scheme. I think he was really good last year, but now, yeah, he doesn't have to worry about, all right, what's going on with the will linebacker? What's going on at the Hawk position, right? Like Town Berry Hill has been pretty solid, I think, to start the season. I think Craig yeah. Young has had some positive moments. He played the most snaps of anyone yesterday. I think that shows the, the trust that the coaching staff have in him. I think there's a certain level of comfortability maybe with Craig Young that's still being figured out in the position of playing that new kind of hybrid role 
he looks a little hesitant, I think, at times, which I think is still fair, right? We're two weeks sure. into the season. He's playing his first games for Kansas, and he's got multiple years of eligibility left. So it's one of these deals where, you know, it hasn't been the perfect start, I think, for some of these new transfers on defense, but we're two weeks in. And for some of these guys, they've been with the team for it's September 11th since August 4th. So I think there's still a yeah, feeling out factor, I think, to some degree with some of this defensive stuff. Sure. But I think for me, the, the, the thing that worried me the most, I think, was the deep passes and the lack of, I think, tackling and pursuit angles. Like, that's very niche, yeah. but I think you look at the touchdown. Kenny Logan had a really bad angle. There's another one. Marvin Grant had a bad angle. I think that's something they can work on in practice is sure. kind of the defensive backfield. But, we, you know, when you did that position draft, right, what was the position that went second to last and last? It was wide receiver and cornerback. Yeah. I think that wide receiver pick is looking a little a little worse now in hindsight, but I think the cornerback pick was pretty spot on. I think that's still an issue. I think Jacoby Bryant obviously comes up with big plays, but a consistency down to down, I worry about still. I think there are too many times where he gets beat or has a step off where it comes in a, a big moment that allows him like for beaten to get a, a, just a sliver of space. And these wide receivers in this conference are so good that you give a guy a sliver of space and he's going to hit you for a big gain. And if not a touchdown. So I think for me, you look at, you know, what JT Daniels did, you know, 28 of 40, 355 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, you know, he really did carve up the defense. And before I turn it over to you real quick, I want to do the drive chart for the other side because it's okay, hilarious. Sure. Yeah. You get, they opened the game, right? Four straight touchdowns before halftime. Key didn't get a stop in the first half. The only, you know, whatever, West Virginia took the ball to go into half. That doesn't count. Then the second half, they have the punt that they force, and then it's field goal, field goal, touchdown, interception. Key got two stops in the game and one. Pretty, pretty incredible. And yeah. to win by double digits, too. Well, and I think, too, you know, you're talking about the teaching teachable moments because we're early in the season. You know, those are still important, right? Like yeah. you don't want to not that you ever want to stop teaching, but you'd rather not have teachable moments in week 11 where you say this is why we struggled. You know, you need to get better at this. But, you know, the the pursuit angles, the the two explosive plays, you know, you had a guy fall down uh, mm -hmm. on the first one for the deep pass. The, the other one, you have bad angles, including by, by Kenny Logan. There was another drive that basically you have two face masks and you give them 30 yards, you know, on the, on the same drive. And, and so, I, you know, it was funny heading into the locker room. Kansas is down 28-21. They made a lot of mistakes. And, and I know some people feel and some coaches feel like that's the time to peel paint off the walls, right? It is – you know, hey, stop, stop messing up. And I really felt like if Ly I'll be interested to hear what Leipold's halftime message kind of was, because I feel like that was actually a chance for him to go in and, and be fairly positive and say, hey, guys, we're right in this thing. And if we get out of our own way, you know, the, this is there for the taking. And, and I, I thought your Craig Young points were, were, spot on because he's being asked to do a lot. Like I don't yeah. think that a lot of people realize how difficult it is to both play a traditional linebacker spot. And then, Hey, there's a slot receiver over here. Who's five, nine, 185 pounds. I got to go cover that guy in space, but Oh, there's a tight end over here. Now I have to go defend that guy. 
And there were a couple plays, the touchdown was one of them, where like Young, it, it was his assignment or in his vicinity. But I don't know that you really blame Young for it as much as you say, wow, that's a spot where Borland and those guys really trust Craig Young at this sure. point because they're asking him to do something that, that's really difficult. I think he was on Ford Wheaton at, at one point, and that's that's not an easy thing for a linebacker to do. And, and obviously Craig Young is is a little bit different kind of linebacker. I mean, he's he's long and he's rangy and he runs like a safety, but that's still a lot to put on somebody's mind to say, hey, you have to do all of these different things. And, you know, Isaiah Simmons, right, did everything. Yeah, that's a good one. Did everything at Clemson. And when he went to Arizona, the first thing that they said was, we're only going to ask him to do one thing because he's always been asked to do 8 billion things. And we don't know. We want to make sure that he does one thing well before we ask him to do something else. Well, there's a lot on Craig Young's plate right now. And and I think he's done a pretty admirable job with it. And I think that, like you were saying, there is some hesitation there because you do see some plays where you're like, oh, like he – he needed to see that and, and go, yeah. and, and he didn't. And I think that's going to come, but it does show you sort of the confidence, the beliefs, and, and the expectations that they have for Craig Young. Uh, also, I, I want to say, you know, Kobe Bryant makes that terrific play, and I mean, he had that thing sized up. He was breaking oh, before yeah. angels even thought about throwing that. But I also think that part of what made that work was – This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Borland with the great call to send extra guys on that third down. And, and, you know, Daniel saw it coming. Craig Young gets into his face a little bit. He's behind a blocker, but he's still kind of there in the vicinity. And he doesn't you know, fully step into it. It's not quite off his back foot, but he doesn't put a whole lot of juice on it. He just kind of lobs it out there. And, and so, you know, you have this great call, you have young, you know, on the blitz and and then you have Bryant jumping the route. It just worked to perfection. Kansas needed one play to to win that game. And, and they went out and created that one play, even after a game of really struggling like that. Winning football. Which yep. is, feels a little a little weird to say it, right? Yeah. After the last decade now of football for Kansas, that you can say it's a winning football place, and I think it's really impressive. All right, let's get in some questions here before we yeah. get out of here. Sure. This will kind of build off of what we've been talking about last few minutes, but I thought this was very interesting. Is the defense this bad, or is the West Virginia offense just that good? 
I think to some degree we covered a little bit of this, talking about the run defense. I think that Cade did a really good job there. But look, West Virginia has an incredible wide receiver core, and they have a quarterback who I think you look at it, right, and former five-star recruit, didn't really get too much of a feel of his previous schools, and all of a sudden now you look at him and he's dealing. So I think to some degree it's a mix of, hey, KU definitely is a step slow. Um, I'm sure maybe you'll talk about the pass rush that was non-existent. Mm -hmm. Lonnie Phillips with two pressures um, all game, and Caleb Sampson led the team with three, uh, but unable to get home, no sacks. Uh, So I think to some degree it's more nuanced than, you know, is KU's defense bad? No, I think KU's run defense was really good last night, and I think that they played a really, really good quarterback and a really, really good wide receiver core, and I think sometimes it's as simple as that. Yeah, and I think, too, when you're in a spot like Kansas where you're not Georgia or one of these places that has elite athletes all over the field, a lot of times you pick and choose, right? Like you you pick your poison a little bit. You mm-hmm. say, okay, they may beat us here, but we're not going to let them beat us here. And, and I thought that Kansas did that with the run game a little bit where they said, you know what, like if JT Daniels goes out and throws for 400 and and we just can't deal with those guys, you know, that's that, that just is what it is. But we're not going to let C.J. Donaldson, you know, average 10 yards of carry on us. Exactly. And, and so I think there was some of that. The pass rush, I would be interested to hear – Neil Brown's thoughts on this because I wonder a little bit if West Virginia was worried about Kansas's pass rush because there was a lot of get the ball out quick. Oh, stuff, for sure. You know, yeah. Really quick, you know, like a six yard out route or, you know, a, a really quick pass. And, you know, it's not that they never had a deep drop back. And I think that the frustrating part, if you're looking at it from a pass rush standpoint, is Kansas didn't get home on those plays where Daniels did have you know, five, six, eight seconds to throw. But I felt like for the most part, West Virginia was really, you know, getting the ball out quickly to a point where the pass rush couldn't impact it. I'll say too, Michael, you you called it, I think last Sunday when we were talking about this and you said, you know what, that wide receiver core for West Virginia, Kansas does not match up with those guys. Mm -hmm. With the size of those guys, with the athleticism of those guys, And so even if Kansas had gone out and said, and gone the other way, right? If they had gone out and said, we're going to make CJ Donaldson beat us. We're, we're going to throw eight guys back. I still don't know that Kansas would have been able to cover those guys because of the matchup problems that that they represented. And so I, I do think, yes, there are defensive concerns. Like you said, there, there's concerns in the defensive backfield. Um, I, I did think, up front against the run, they they did pretty well. The pass rush not getting home is a little bit of a concern. You would have liked to see more there, but yeah. but you know by and large that's that's a really talented West Virginia offense, and and it's an offense that can hit you multiple ways when you look at having a two hundred and forty pound running back and also having all those wide receivers and everything. And so I do think it's probably a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, and one more note on the pass rush stuff. It was funny. I was texting the program source after the game last night, and they mentioned that, you know, hey, we got the pressure when you needed to, right? You think about the Jalen Daniels – or, sorry, JT Daniels, the the fumble incompletion, that's a pressure. The interception for Jacoby Bryant, that's a pressure. 
So for a defensive line unit, a linebackers defense as a whole, didn't get a bunch of pressure all game, but they got it when it counts. And again, I think it goes back to the winning plays, which is huge that you can talk about that for a Kansas team right now. So let's transition because I want to look ahead a little bit. Um, sure. Actually, you want know, let's go let's go to the office side real quick. I want to talk about Jalen Daniels, the guy I just mentioned accidentally. When will he get more national love? I thought that was a really interesting question. You look at the stats, and it's been a really really good start to the season for you know Jalen Daniels and and what he's been able to do. Right, you know you think about only one interception so far, didn't turn the ball over. Um, I think he's been really good. I think this is one of those games that will help put him on the map, but. Katie's going to need to play on ESPN for, I think, more people to take note of what he's going to do because Big 12 now, ESPN Plus, it's, you know, it's whatever, right? It's a streaming network. People aren't necessarily going to go out of their way to go find that um, unless they're a really huge in-depth college football fan. And I think that a lot of national media members, you know, aren't necessarily going to go take time to go watch KU West Virginia on ESPN Plus when, you know, Stanford and USC are playing, for lack of a better term. So I think for me it's going to take some time, but I, I do think that he does deserve more national attention because you take the last three games of last season and the start to this season, I is there a better quarterback in the conference that's right playing right now? I think JT Daniels is up there. I think Spencer Sanders is up there too. But I think outside of that, I think you know Jalen Daniels has really proven himself to be a, a top half of the Big 12 quarterback so far. Yeah, and I think – yeah, I think you make a great point about the national visibility part of it because I think so many quarterbacks in college football put up numbers, right? That yeah, when you're exactly. when you're going through and you see a list and you're like, oh, Jalen Daniels had a nice game, and then you move down to another guy who had a nice game, you know. Um, and, and so I think one of the things that makes Jalen Daniels stand out, and one of the things that makes him stand out from other Kansas quarterbacks, even is when you watch him play when you mm-hmm. see the throw that he makes with the arm strength that he has when you see the way that the the touchdown pass he had last night where he kind of eludes pressure you know ducks to the side and drops it over the top you see that and you're like wow that's that's an amazing play but if you're not on ESPN plus and you're just looking at, at the stat sheet and everything else goes down as as a touchdown pass like it's not you don't see that the throw to Quentin Skinner um uh, multiple throws now to Quentin Skinner but the throw in the opener that he made to to Quentin Skinner where he has the real quick reset and pushes it 55 yards downfield and kind of drops this dime that's something that you look at the stat sheet and you say oh he hit Quentin Skinner for for a 50 55 yard gain, whatever it was, you aren't saying, wow, look at that arm. Like this guy is a problem for, for defenses with the way that, that he's able to make plays like that. And, and, you know, with Daniels, it comes on both ends too. When you look at the way he runs the ball and and the plays that he makes with his legs. And so I I think that's the main factor in him getting national love. It's not that he's not producing at a high enough level. He is, but I think more people have to actually see him and realize, okay, this isn't some air raid quarterback who's throwing a you know a pass behind the line of scrimmage and a guy is taking it for 10 yards and he's putting it in the air 50 times. This is a guy that legitimately stresses high-level defenses 
with the throws he's able to make with his movement skills and all the different things that, that he can do. And so I do think, you know, people saw him against Texas last year <clears throat> with the way that, that that game went and but that was just kind of that first step. Like, Oh, Kansas mm-hmm. may have a little something yeah. at quarterback. But I think that once you start getting into say October, if he's still playing this way, you get him on TV in some of those games, people are going to say, okay, this, this isn't business as usual. Like this kid really has something special. And it's something that we see because we watch Kansas, but for people who don't, and they're just looking at a stat sheet, you know, Dylan Gabriel, I think had a solid stat game against Kent state last yesterday. And if you go back and watch it, I don't know that you're as impressed with Gabriel as you would be if you actually watched Jalen Daniels. And and so I I think that stuff like that is kind of what he's competing with for people who don't actually get to see him play. Yep. I agree. All right. One more. Let's go big picture here. Um, I'm going to mix two and one. So the the first part of this question is how much does the win change the trajectory of KU's season? And the second part is, What's a realistic expectation for the team at this point? Um, I think starting off with how much does this win change their trajectory of the season? KU plays the house house money from here on out. Yep, They've got the confidence. And this goes back to something that talking with someone on the program over the summer, and maybe I haven't mentioned this on the podcast before. I can't remember. The feeling around the program was they needed to get some wins early to build confidence. Because the last thing they want to do is go into that stretch where you play Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State with one win or two wins. That could still happen. But now all of a sudden you have a Big 12 road win under your belt. There's confidence there. People going in the building are going to want to put in that work in terms of watching the film, staying extra for treatment. I think it's one of these things that really improves the overall confidence of the team. And I think really will help them going into a tough road game next week against Houston and then coming back and playing a Duke team that against Northwestern, I thought looked pretty good, even if they almost choked the game away. So I think for me, confidence has been a huge part of this thing for Kansas. This is a huge confidence boost for the team. And I think it gives them that swagger, I think, to walk into any game from here on out this season, thinking, hey, we can hang with this team. And who knows if they're able to each week, but having that confidence alone is big. And I'll let you answer either one of those. And then I'll I'll take the the realistic expectations after that. Sure. Yeah, I think that you and I, when you and I talked before the season started, this was a game that both of us kind of had circled because we felt like, hey, there's there's a chance for Kansas to go two and one in non-conference play when you look at Tennessee Tech and Duke. Uh, if Kansas beats West Virginia, all of a sudden you're talking about potentially at least because Duke is still out there. And like you said, like Duke's not looking too bad. Like I know mm. there are Going into the season, some people thought that would be the worst Power 5 team, and, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, obviously, no. they just beat Northwestern, um, so they're not the worst Power 5 team. But at the same time, you know, we felt like, hey, if they come out of September at 3-1, and one, they're at least going to get one more, right, at some point. You're not going to go 3-1, and one, have all the confidence that, that comes with that, and then go 0-8. Oh you know, for, for the rest of the year. And and I think one thing that maybe I left off with that, um, that, that I should have taken into account was Jalen Daniels was a top three quarterback in the final three games last year in the big 12, you know, he he looks like that again. What'd you say? 
he looks like that again. Yeah, and I think that was one of the questions, right? Was we said, okay, small sample size. You know, okay, it's, you know, Texas wasn't the best last year. TCU had gotten rid of its coach. West Virginia was struggling. And so you looked at it and you said, well, yes, there's a lot of confidence in Jalen Daniels, but to be a top five quarterback in the big 12, like an actuality as opposed to over a three game stretch. Mm-hmm. I just don't know, but here's the thing, Michael, like he, he is right now, like he's playing like a top five big 12 quarterback and, and potentially even better than that, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and if we had said with the caveat to start the season, Hey, what would your prediction be or, or what's this team ceiling if Kansas gets top five quarterback play in the Big 12? Jalen Daniels is what he showed last year where he was a top three quarterback over those final few weeks. Honestly, I would have put a bull berth in, into the conversation. And, and I know there are a lot of things you got to clean up. I personally, when I picked the Big 12 this year for for our articles at 24 7 i had west virginia ninth and and i had and i had kansas 10th and so what i'm saying is 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 as great a win as this was and as much as you know we maybe want to say if kansas plays like that it can play with anybody and i don't necessarily 100 percent disagree with that this is still probably one of the worst teams in the big 12 this year uh, but if Jalen Daniels plays like a top five quarterback and, and and that impacts the realistic ceiling, I'm interested to hear your thoughts here on the realistic ceiling. If you, because I feel like it's looking more and more realistic that Jalen Daniels is a top five quarterback. So how does that impact the team ceiling as well? You know, as I think about it more, I think as the day has gone on and getting to sleep on it, I think to Jalen Daniels was great yesterday running sure. the ball, passing the ball. West Virginia's weakness is its secondary. Yep. I just That's all I'm going to say. West Virginia's weakness is the secondary. Really interested to see how he does the next two weeks. Because if we're taught, we're sitting here going into October, having the same conversation, KU's probably three and one, maybe yep. four and oh. That's the fact of the matter. And if you're talking about four and oh, I mean, golly, I, I don't know. I don't know what the ceiling is. I, I, I don't the, really the want to put it on the roof, as Michael Jordan would say. Yeah, the seal, that's a good one. I I don't I don't want to do it. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, going into the season, I thought four four wins was the ceiling. But with what Jalen Daniels has showed you, with what this running game and offensive line have looked like, he's gonna be in a lot of games. Yep. And you're just gonna need to flip the coin in a certain game. And see if you win. He was in one score game last night. They flipped the coin. Kobe Jacoby Bryant gets the interception, touchdown, game over. Right? Is the coin flip going to go their way in those games every time? Probably not. But is luck going to be on their side? Yeah. Man, I don't know. Then maybe it is five wins, six wins. I still feel is a reach. But I'm just super impressed. So Kevin, I'll give you the last word. Any other final thoughts on the West Virginia game? No, I, I thought um, – I think it's a really interesting jumping-off point for the defense with a week to prepare for Houston because mm-hmm. uh, I think when you when you look at the defense and, and everything, like you said, there, it wasn't necessarily, hey, it's 
this defense is going to struggle all year long. And I, and I do think the offense is significantly ahead of where the defense is. Let's, yeah. let's not get that twisted. But I do think there are some things that can get fixed in film, some things that can get fixed in practice. Houston's got some offensive firepower. And, and so I'm interested to see what Kansas shows it against Houston on, on a one-week break, what they look like against Duke after that. I, I do think that if the defense is able to improve to to a significant margin, and I'm not saying, you know, they're going to be a top half of the Big 12 defense or anything like that, but if they get to a point where, you know, they're, they're at number seven or, or number eight with the offense that they have, that that legitimately impacts this team's ceiling as well. And so I, I, I think that as frustrating as the defense was at certain points last night, I do think maybe there's at least a little ray of optimism there where, where you sure. say, hey, if you don't give away 30 yards and penalties on one drive, maybe that drive turns out differently. Hey, the KU faced it seemed like about 80 third and twos to third and fives last night. Get off the field on one or two of those, and, and the game looks differently. And, and that's not that's not saying a huge shift or a huge change, you know, just you make one or two more plays, you know, on that end and it's not a great defensive effort, but you win by double digits. And so I think that that's what I'm interested to see with this team going forward. Yeah, I agree. The defense is definitely one of the most biggest room for improvement, but the nice part is too defense tends to come together. I feel like over the course of a season is cohesiveness becomes um, much of a bigger thing, but already Kevin, I'll do it for us here on the Sunday Reaction Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Fog.net podcast. If you're listening on the podcast platforms, please leave us a rating and review. If you're listening on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Hit the alert button. You get notified whenever we post a video, whether that be press conferences, Kevin and I talking, myself and other Big 12 publishers talking. You'll be able to see it all. So make sure you're staying in the loop with all things KU football, basketball, and recruiting with Fog.net.